I love it. I, I ask Rosalina to read, and I forget sometimes the things I put out in front of people and say, hey, this is what we're going to be doing, and uh, we want you to read if you're bilingual in your native language, right? And she said, oh, by the way, do you want me to do that in, <laughs> in, uh, in Farsi? Well, we had a conversation a little bit bigger than that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks for reminding me. You know, I, I just asked her to read. I was forgetting that I was. But, friends, I, I just want to remind you just quickly that the church, as we prayed earlier together, right, the church isn't just here. It's everywhere. And it's making ground. And if nothing else, but I think there's more to it, if nothing else, having our friends that are a part of us in our community, our family members, read and remind us that there will be every tongue, every nation, right? Uh, I, I just think we need that reminder on a regular basis. It's just a beautiful thing. And I get it. We don't understand it. But somebody might. Seriously, somebody might. Hey, I'm just so glad to have you here today. Thanks, thanks for praying. Uh, you know, um, we... Uh, things happen at the last minute, and uh, I, love, I love living and working in community. And let me just explain a couple of other reasons why I love doing that. And one of them is, uh, you know, we knew we needed to pray for Ukraine. Not only did we get an, ad, you know, an encouragement from uh, some of our friends that are a little bit higher up on the boss chain, if you will, but we knew we needed to do that. And, um, and, Melanie asked the question, hey, uh, do you want to throw it out to the community? And you know, I, this is just me. I'm, I'm being raw with you, but this is why we need community. I'm like, no, we have too much to do in this hour. And I went for a little walk, and, and that's kind of how it helps me to think. Kathy tells me that boys think better when they walk around. So, and if you didn't know, my wife's an educator, so she kind of knows these things better than I do. And I was like, I walk back in. I'm like, no, we just, we just have to do that. And thank you. Seriously, thank you for praying. Uh, it's on your hearts, it's on your minds, and we want you to keep it on your hearts and minds. And uh, this is one of the places we do that. We do it together, friends. So uh, thank you for spending these few short minutes again. They are short to me. Uh, they may be long to you, and I hope that's not the case. But, uh, but it's really this desire to pursue the way of Jesus by loving God, loving all people, and following him, Jesus, together. And I truly believe, as some, uh, one of our family members prayed earlier, and when I say family members, I'm talking to brothers and sisters in Christ. One of our family members prayed earlier that these are transformational minutes. And let me tell you how they become transformational minutes. They become transformational minutes because you lean into what God is already wanting to give. He's not wanting to withhold anything, and he wishes to give to you. So I, I just want to let you know that right now. Maybe you've come in and kind of went, you know, I'll give him, I have five cards in my hand, I'll give him two. Give him all of them. You know, in these moments, I would say every day, but I believe that they are. All right, into the text. Last week, we ended with the question on the minds of the disciples, uh, and they may be the, on the minds of us, and they will be, I think, uh, they're pressing in on this for us all, with the title uh, that I've titled it, Who Is This?, uh, but really the text from Matthew chapter 8 uh, previous was the question or was the statement, what kind of man is this? I mean, they're on, they're on a storm, right? And they ask this question, you know, they're, 
the boat crew gets, they're on, they get in a storm, and he calms the storm, and they go, who is this? Right? I, I think it's the question, if, if I may, it's the question we're continually presented with on a regular basis. Not only with this text, and I think this, this text, this chapter, all the gospels really kind of press into that, but we are, we're in that motion with him. If we're following Jesus, we're constantly going, who, who is this? Who is this man? But they move from one storm in their lives to another storm. Right? They, they get, they get out, out of the boat, it's calmed water, and they step out of the boat, as we heard, and they walk right into an, another storm. But a storm that's not outside of them, but a storm that's within someone, if you'll allow me to characterize it that way. Have you ever had months or weeks or years like that? Some of you, some of you have, right? You're able to survive one storm, uh, you know, you're, it's what you're trusting Jesus. Maybe your friends got you through, your doctor got you through, your counselor, whatever the case may be. But then you, you get out and face an, another storm of a different kind. It may be without you. Uh, the other one was within. I don't know. But maybe this is your storm. I, I was thinking about the uh, Ukraine. You know, you hear the talk of war. Now you have war. You're dealing with something that's internal, but now you have to deal with something that's real, shelling at your doorstep. Or you, or you walk through the painful season of separation and divorce, and then you go to your doctor, and your doctor tells you, uh, you're a female, this, in this case, you have breast cancer. It's a true story, by the way. Somebody I know. You lead a small group, and you're friends with a brother in Christ. And this is probably not a storm to a storm, but uh, then not too far in the distant future of this small group and this time spent together and the intimacy of discipleship, you realize that the guy's been having an affair the whole time. And that's a storm of multiple levels. Maybe it's not so deep or <laughs> desperate. Your car breaks down and then the next week your water heater leaks, right? I mean, that's, hopefully that's more on our level. I really do pray. Or if you're a student, the class you're taking, you realize when you thought you were doing well, but that one test put you below what you needed and now you have to retake the test or you have to retake the class because the class is needed for all the other classes you need and it's going to put a delay in your plans. I don't know what it is, but we, we have these on a regular basis. Uh, they may not be as cataclysmic of, as what I'm describing or, uh, or even what the disciples went through, but we, have, we, go, we move from storm to storm. So whoever prayed that we would trust in Jesus, that they would trust in Jesus, is exactly right. But we're pressed continually, rightly so. The tests are to move us to trust Jesus. But I want to remind you, as this text does, that we live in an in-between time. We, we live in an in-between time that sometimes we like to say we, we don't. Even as followers of Jesus, we like to go, I don't know if we do. I, I really don't want to play that game. I, I don't want to play that we're in 
Uh, maybe that as a book that uh, I've read re- recently that we're in this overlap, right? There's a realm we live in and a realm that is coming and they, they, tend, to, they tend to move toward each other. And when they move towards each other, there's, there's something that's created. It's not always good, but it's supposed to end in beauty. It really is. It's supposed to end in beauty. It's the realm of heaven moving towards earth, if you will. It's the idea that, you know, we, where we live, work, and play is the realm of earth, yet within you, you carry something that is uh, at war, at odds, at difference with the world around you. It's that, it's that announcement, if you will, of Jesus when he, when he landed on the scene and his ministry started. This is it. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And it wasn't just him. We do acknowledge that it was him, but it's now in residing in us. It's similar to, uh, if you will, if you'll allow me to use the illustration, and for those of you who are chemists, please don't take me out to lunch later. Kevin. Um, water and oil. Okay, so you're wondering, we're going to have a, we're going to have a drink. We are, um, and it's a mixed drink, but not like you think. So uh, let's let's pretend that the water is Earth, uh, the, the realm of Earth, not the globe of Earth, right? And I needed some water earlier. That's what I was looking for, Kevin. You were like, what is he looking for? I'm like, where did my water go? So I need this. <laughs> um, and, and the kingdom, everybody likes a little oil in their system, right? But we know what happens uh, when you pour oil and water together. Now, those online, you're going to get this up close and personal. Uh, those here, you'll have to come up later. <laughs> this is the way it works. But there's a cool thing, right? This, this is, this is he, you know, heaven and earth. And it, it has the ability to separate. There's a, there's a tension around the oil. There's a, a membrane, if you will. I don't know if that's, like I said, I'm not sure if I have these terms right. But there's membranes. There's little bubbles. And at some point, because the kingdom wants to restore earth, right? It wants to restore the realm of earth. Let's use terminologies that are a little bit bigger than what we think of globe. There's something that has to break it down. Well, <laughs> how many have seen uh, that they use Dawn just soap? All right, I said it out loud. Hopefully, I'm not going to get in trouble for advertising something. <laughs> but, you know, they wash off ducks, right? They get oil on them. Why do they do that? Because this, I think this is the right term, is an emulsifier. I think I got it right, right? <laughs> I did! There we go. And guess what happens? When you put the emulsifier in it, it'll happen in a second. I promise. At least it did earlier. <laughs> it's not a magic trick. Guess what happens? It breaks down the outer membrane of both the water and actually, the, I think the water penetrates the way. I'm looking at Kevin because he probably knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know who else is a scientist in here that knows this. But anyway, and it breaks down the outer membrane. Now, it's not perfect, but this is what came to mind. 
Jesus is in the process of making all things. Oh, I love it when you know that. Because he's in the work of doing that. So as we think about this passage of scripture, I want you really to think about the idea that there's a, there's a tension that has been created. They step off the boat. They step off the boat. You know, and, and you have to remember, Jesus, don't forget, in the la- if you didn't get this last week, Jesus is sleeping in the last storm. He's, not, he's unfazed by this current storm that he's walking into. He steps off. It says, when he arrived on the other side of the region of the Gadareans, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him, and they were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us? Uh, Now, catch this. Son of God. Come back to it later. Uh, Not too distant later, but. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Wow, wait a second. This just went into a whole other realm, didn't it? Uh, shake your head, yes. It's okay. It did. It just moved. Like, wait, wait, wait. Jesus calmed, calmed the sea. That seemed to be a, a, just an earth thing, you know? Kind of this. And then he heals uh, a leper. He heals the centurion, the enemy's uh, servant, from a distance. He heals Peter's mother, but this, what in the world? And we should be asking that. What world are we talking about? Really? It's just water and oil just... Right? It's just incredible. And these men, they speak. Think of what they're saying. Right? Think about what they've said. <laughs> they're, they're so violent. But what do you want with us, Son of God? Now, one can easily deduce, and if you're wondering whether I believe in demons, I do. Uh, I'm not here to talk or walk that away at all. I'm really wanting to wrestle with this idea that, that heaven and earth have collided. And what do we do about that? What do we do with that tension? And, and there's that tension, and these men, I believe, speak not in human form or human way. We know this. This is the collision. It's coming out of their mouths. What do you have to do with us? And we're, you have to kind of sit there and go, what realm are they talking about? Who, why would they know? They, we've never met these people before, and they're on Gentile land. We don't know these. And there is an, another realm that has emerged distinctively. It is already there, but it has emerged distinctively in this place. That tension, right, of what is, what is pure and holy and right meets what, bro, what is broken, distru- disturbed, destructed, yeah, destructed, right? I mean... And what's going to happen here? What, what's what's going to be taking place? The oil and the water meet, the clean and the dirty meet. 
These men reveal in front of everyone, the disciples watching that, and we have to remember the disciples are there. They're watching what's going on. they're, They're watching this intently. We don't hear a word out of them. It's not in the text. I mean, but they're there. And what is happening to them? What, is it, what are they talking about the appointed time? Could it very well be that we're, they're, they're bringing into this reality for, not for Jesus, but for the disciples? Because that's the only ones who are there. Uh, uh, some, <laughs> some telltale signs of what they're getting into. I mean, it's this incredible. Now, if you're wondering, the, the Jewish people did believe in a judgment. They, they did believe in an appointed time. So that may not have been a total shock, but the awareness of who Jesus is as the Son of God, whom they have yet to identify as that, has to come out. But this tension, you can cut it. Okay, you got it. The demons within these men have an understanding of Jesus' purpose to restore what the devil and sin have destroyed. Remember, Jesus is about restoring all things, reconciling all things, redeeming all things. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I, I think the demons know this. I think the demons believe this. We have other scriptures that point to the fact that that's true. They know this. So they eye in the distance. This is, this is where this is a peculiar passage. You just have to admit, it's just kind of weird. And put it in that. Some distance from the, from the herd, from the large herd, uh, some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. Now, again, we are, we are becoming aware of, if we were reading this for the very first time, if you're new, you're becoming, of, uh, to Scripture, you're becoming deeply aware that Jesus lives and works on a realm uh, we have yet to see, experience, or understand. I mean, it's just there. Because the demons say, if you drive us out, why would they even say that? There is a tension between heaven and earth, kingdom and, you know, kingdom and the evil realm, the spiritual evil realm. And then they ask to send us into a large herd of pigs. Yeah, send us into a large herd of pigs. I don't know if any scholar really has kind of unpackaged all that. And in case you're wondering, on a more of a lighter side of, of this tension... Uh, Jesus uh, values your life far greater than he values any other animal that you can imagine. Uh, Psalm 8 uh, reminds us of this. Uh, You can read the whole thing. Uh, But verse 3 following, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them, you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned him, 
or crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and all the animals, animals of the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Friends, if, if, if you've inverted this in somewhere in your ideology of living, you need to correct this. Now, I know it's minor, but it's major for some. They go, whoa, wait a second. Why, why would Jesus do an injustice? He's not doing an injustice. He's redeeming and restoring life. Life to the very image of who he is as they've been created. He said to them, verse 32, go! And they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. The pigs tor- are tormented demonically tormented and take off for the water and take a death swim. Can you imagine being a disciple? I don't know how you, how you position yourself to watch this interaction, this conversation, listen to this conversation. My, my mouth would drop. I would be like, Jesus, we, we need to have a conversation. Right? Those tending the pigs ran off and went into the town and reported all of this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Now, uh, Matthew does not treat this story in the same way that Mark treats this story. We have more information about the, the man. He was healed, he was whole, and he desired to go with Jesus. We know that. But... Can we just take, uh, take our eye, our imaginative eye, and put ourselves in the place of the people watching this interaction of Jesus? Because I think, I think that while uh, we talk about that, we talk and there's a belief and there's a reality of the tension between heaven and earth being collision and a healing that's transpired. He's the, Jesus becomes the emulsifier, if you will, I guess. Don't take it too far. Um, but... Can you imagine being the pig herders? It says that they're off in a distance. They know that this guy lives here. That's his place. Uh, whether it's a cave or a tomb or whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. They know that he lives there. And their pigs just took off for the lake and died. What would your response be? We, we don't know if they walked past... Uh, the, the, the men, the demon-possessed men who are now healed, we may assume that they might have, I don't know, but we don't know that uh, per se. But we do know that the, uh, they ran to town, they brought the whole town out, now they see uh, the men transform whom they would not walk past. This is what the text says. They wouldn't even go near them because they were so violent. They would do violence to other people. And now they're totally transformed by, the, by, the, by Jesus, by the purity, the holiness of Jesus. He touches things and they're changed. So you have the pig herders, you have the demon-possessed men, and you have the whole town, and then you have the disciples. <laughs> and we don't hear anything. Yet the question still, I think, emerges from this. We could ask the first question, what do, 
what do we do to the story, you know? Are we, are we, Jesus, are you telling us that maybe we need to cross the other side of sea whenever we're at a lake and find out a cemetery and maybe there's some people, you know, is that what you're telling us to do? Well, I, I do believe that he is telling us how we encounter uh, as we bring the kingdom to bear, as we bring heaven to bear on earth, how we are to encounter that and how we're to go about that. I believe that there are some practical outcroppings of that and some, uh, th- th- some theological tentacles. Yet I think at a greater, a greater level, we, before we even get to that, we have to determine who we are in the story. So let's do that. As we answer this question, who is this man? So are you, this morning, a person from the town? Now this may be really strange, you're sitting in church, but could you be a person that has encountered the power of Jesus and have, nah, thank you, but no, leave me. In one of my ministries, I had a friend who, uh, he had done that at one point in his life. He had told God, get lost, basically. And just, he was literally tormented, I don't think by God, but just by his very, uh, by just saying that. Is that you? You've seen the power of God at work in some dramatic ways, and yet you say, no, thank you, and please leave. Are you a disciple this morning? Are you standing behind going, what's this? Because I think this is what they were doing. What just took place? Because of their behavior in other places, and we can read into this. What was that? What? Who is this? The question still hangs in the air. Who is this? I think what he's telling us as disciples, though, as followers of Jesus, that if you are a disciple this morning, that tension exists as we live to bring heaven to earth, and the tension will test our trust in Jesus. It never goes away. It's always there. In different ways, in different forms, there. Are you one of the men he, Jesus healed? You're, you're sitting there, wow, what? I was out of my mind. Literally, I was out of my mind. Somebody else was there. And you've restored me. And jumping to Mark's passage, you can go there. It's a little bit different. We can talk about that later, but... You're like, hey, I want to go with you. You're, you're more enthusiastic at this point of heading with Jesus and maybe even the followers, the disciples of Jesus. But we do have to ask this question, who is Jesus to me this morning? Where are you this morning in that? This is one thing I know about this passage. Jesus is the only one able to erase the tension of heaven and earth through his death on the cross. He is the only one that is able to erase that, and he demonstrates that ability, if you will, in this, in this tension between these two demon, demonized men and their healing. He continues, if you will, to present us with the reality that there is another realm that restores, renews, and brings things to their beauty. Jesus is the only one to erase the tension. 
Paul writes this in Colossians chapter 1, which I think helps us a little bit in framing even what we've just read to where we're going to go in communion. The Son of the, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over every, all creation, for in him all things were created. Now, if you think about it, Kevin can talk. Kevin will have a little seminar back here, uh, and you can follow him back there, sorry, those people online, and talk about how atoms shake really fast and how they keep things together. Think about this. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Wow. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from all the, among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to what? What? Reconcile to himself what? All things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Oh. Jesus, thank you. So I asked the question. Who is Jesus to you today? Who is Jesus to you today? As we move towards taking communion in a few moments, the question is posed before us. He knew who he was. He's the son of God, Jesus the Messiah, the one to conquer death, evil, to transform what is, we would say, broken, disturbed, twisted, to right, pure, and holy. Who is he to you today as we move towards communion? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the, for the gift